Hello, and welcome back to the Adam B and Adam G NBA show. It's been a long time, but Adam G, we are ready for the playoffs, are we not? I'm ready for the playoffs. Uh, sounds like your neighbours are ready for the playoffs as well. They've been very excited all day today. Very excitable people. And in even more exciting news, besides the NBA playoffs about to begin, um, we've got, a, we've got a, a guest on the show today for the very first time. Yeah, and uh, a very sad guest as well. Yes, a, a miserable guest, a um, crestfallen guest. How are you feeling, HB? Yeah, it's been a, uh, a long morning, fellas. Very long morning. It's always tough. Hayden, of course, um, our resident Nuggets supporter, saw probably one of the most memorable regular season games in years go down. A final game 82 uh, head-to-head matchup to decide who would get the final seeding in the West. The Nuggets lost in overtime, and thus the, uh, the playoffs were decided. Uh, Adam G., what did you think of that match? I think if Hayden just listened to me, uh, if he just listened to me approximately four months ago when I told him that the Nuggets wouldn't make the playoffs, he wouldn't be so disappointed right now. Interesting take, Adam G. But I don't think anyone could have predicted the wild finish that we were going to have. Hey? No, I mean, that was, that was down to the wire. Like, the best possible game 82 you could ever have. Yeah, and for all talk, yeah, for all talk of a play-in tournament and uh, how can we make it more interesting down the stretch, we had a game eighty-two or at the last two or three days of the season where almost every game meant something, which is rare, which is super rare. So it is very rare, but it can happen, so it's good. It's good. I think it was super entertaining, and I think that. I don't know. For me, that bolsters the case for some sort of wild play in tournament um, that we see in other uh, other leagues. But hey, let's just let's summarize really quickly for the listeners who's in the playoffs in the West from one to eight. We got the Rockets, the Warriors, the Blazers, the Thunder, the Jazz, the Pelicans, the Spurs, and the Timberwolves. Uh, hold up, that's the final. Yes, that is the final ranking. In the East, we got the Raps, the Celtics, the Seventy Sixes, the Cavs, the Pacers, the Heat the Wizards, and the Bucks uh, in what is a really wide-open Eastern Conference. Um, So Adam G and HB, uh, why don't we dive into the matchups? What's jumping out at you guys? Uh, What's jumping out at me straight away is my uh, incorrect notation of putting the Wizards in seven. Uh, That's for sure, Uh, given that the Celtics will be playing the Bucks in seven. Right, we can swap Um, those last two. The Wizards finishing eighth and the Bucks (laughs) finishing seventh. But apart from that, that little error, uh, what jumps out to me is a, a playoff that does feel like we have a couple of quite open series and a lot of it will be dictated by how teams match up against each other in game one and what coaching differences will happen, what little adjustments they'll make. Uh, we have a lot of series throughout the season, apart from the Rockets-Wolves where the Rockets won the season series 4-zip, all the other series have been 2-all or very tight 3-1 matchup. Um, so it's all up in the air. We, it's very hard to predict what's going to happen next in a lot of these series. 
Yeah, I think I was saying to you earlier that I could genuinely see almost all of the higher seeds losing that first series, maybe bar the Rockets and the Warriors. But yeah, I could see the Raptors losing to the Wizards. Yes, I could see the Celtics certainly losing to the Bucks, considering their injuries. Um, I don't think it's even unfathomable for the Cavs to lose to the Pacers, especially if, I don't know, Oladipo recaptures some of that mid-season form he had. It, it could be a really fucking wild opening round, which, is, which would make for a, a nice change of pace from what we've seen the past few years. Yeah, and all the non-NBA people and non-basketball fans complain that basketball ends in the top two seeds of each conference finishing in the finals and that it becomes too predictable. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with the best teams making it through. They are the best for a reason. Uh, but this season does feel a little different in regards to uh, teams seeded three through eight. I agree completely. Um, so, fellas, should we go through series by series and uh, have a quick chat about each and maybe make a prediction for each? Sounds we don't need good. a moment silence. We don't need a moment silence for the Nuggets. So we've had <laughs> we've had a few hours now, Adam G. But I appreciate your thoughtfulness. Okay, that's okay. That's okay, HB. All right, all right. First series, go with the Western Conference. Yes. So we got Rockets at the one seed against the Timberwolves at the eight seed. As Adam G's noted here, the season series was swept 4-0 by the Rockets. Um, what are we seeing here? Is there going to be anything interesting to this series or? Have uh, the the wolves just kind of set them up, uh, set themselves up as lambs for the slaughter? You uh, first, Adam G. Thanks, HB. Uh, I think a lot will come down to who the two best players in the series are, and we all uh, hype up a lot of role players and three uh, and D guys and six men and bench units and all that throughout the season, but. We know that when it comes down to playoff time and everyone's playing 38-plus minutes a game, a lot comes down to who are your, who's your best player, who's the best player on the court. And in this series, I think who are the best two players in the series. And obviously it's out of, from what we think, it'll be out of Harden, CP3, Jimmy Butler, and Towns. I think that'll go a long way to deciding the series. I, I can see... Uh, I can see Towns having one game where he just dominates. Um, and I do struggle to see, though, how that might result in a win. I think that the Wolves just, they don't necessarily feel like they're, they're built for the regular season terribly well. But if it does somehow slow down to a grind, if that pace is super slow and they can get a, a game that's in the 90s or, God forbid, the 80s, they'll give themselves their best chance of winning. But their defense, despite having Thibodeau as a coach, their defense just hasn't been all that great for most of the season, right? 26, I believe, in the league. Yeah, they are struggling. Okay. It's, so- just, it's going to be an issue. It's just going to be an issue where if, if Harden and CB3 can keep it pretty even with Jimmy Butler and Towns, given the fact that the Wolves still are allergic to taking threes, there's something like 29th or 30th in the league in terms of efficiency on threes and threes taken. Uh, 
how do you keep up unless the rocket's missed? You don't, and especially when your defense isn't locked in. Um, so I'm going to call that a 4-0 sweep. What did you think about the Wolves today, Hayden? Um, I think they were the most locked in out of the four matchups that them and the Nuggets have had all season, like the times I've seen them. But yeah. I don't know if they can be that locked in against a high-powered Rockets team. Um, that pretty much kills you if they can go on a run of three-pointers, especially when you have one of the worst defenses in the league. Um, yeah. But with that said, if they are locked in, like in the last – in overtime in the last two minutes of the uh, regular time of the game, Taj Gibson like completely like shut down Jokic. It was all over him. He can kind of play that role if they can all play that role. Um uh, maybe they can steal a game, but I still think it's pretty straightforward for the Rockets. That's an interesting point. Is, yeah, but do you think the matchup is wrong there? Because as well as Taj does, and I love Taj from all his Bulls days, he shut down Jokic, and Jokic is the key player for the Nuggets. The mm. key player for the Rockets on the wing. So Taj is... Who's, who's Taj going to be playing against? He's going to be stuck in with a corner shooter whether it's Ariza or whoever else he's going to be guarding in the corner. And if not, then he's guarding Capella. Mm. So he's not, he's, not going to be, he's not going to be involved defensively, and there's no way the Rockets want to get him involved in pick and rolls because mm. they'll know that he's good at that. So, and on the, even on the other end, it's almost guaranteed that Harden will be guarding Taj Gibson and basically getting a rest. Yeah, like Harden has been a killer on the defense in the low post this season. Um, yeah, I mean he's been a, he's been playing the four on defense basically. Yeah, absolutely. But then in terms of defenders, you also got like one of the best two way players in the league and Jimmy Butler who could cover some of the wings. Um, but yeah, like I said, <laughs> Rockets go on just a tiny streak and it's pretty much done for the Wolves. Yeah. What I will say I what I will say for the Timberwolves is that they have constructed a roster that has a certain number of veterans on it. Jeff Teague isn't a stranger to the playoffs, neither is Jimmy Butler. Taj Gibson has been in some big series. Um and that kind of counts for something to me. The Rockets, regardless of how well their regular season has gone have a reputation of choking in the playoffs for the past several seasons. And if any kind of like veteran mind games start being played, um, and especially if they get off to a quick start in Houston in game one, like to me, this kind of reminds me of the Celtics Bulls series from last year, where the Celtics are a little bit... um, a little bit shakier from the get-go. And then you had like guys like Jimmy muscling their way in and they kind of jumped them and gave themselves a shot in the series. That is the only way I can see this series being remotely interesting. If the Rockets come out and say, no, fuck you, we're burying the skeletons in our closet, we are shedding that poor reputation. And if they come out all guns blazing, I say this thing's done. There's that and... Sorry, MG. Um, There's that and also the fact that yeah, Harden and CP3, they've been, like, pretty shit 
Harden's made the finals, of course, one time with OKC, CP3 never. But when you bring them together, I think it, well, obviously it changes the dynamic and the way they've approached every game this season. And I think it will also just change that, the dynamic of how they approach the playoffs, especially two guys who have gone to the playoffs regularly throughout their careers and just fell short every single time. And now that they're together yeah. and the position they're in, I think they're going to be more locked in than anyone this, this playoffs. I hope for their yeah. sake. They uh, I are. guess it'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the Wolves or what adjustment the Wolves make and if it's something along the lines of stop hard and then let CP3 and the others get theirs, um, which has happened when Harden was with the Thunder. The teams would actually just let Ross and KD get theirs. Uh, the other thing to think about is, what if we actually see a Wiggins awakening? <laughs> well, he, he had, um, as someone on Twitter put it today, he had maple syrup in his veins. Uh, he, I don't think he touched the ball <laughs> for like 20 minutes before he's, he sunk those two big free throws. But I think he actually ended up today with like 18 points and that was so, so quiet. And yeah. I don't know, like if he can get cooking, I, I would want to see a little bit of leadership um, from Butler and Gibson and Teague just to kind of set a tone and encourage the young talent in, in um, uh, Carl Anthony Towns and Wiggins to step up. There is an opportunity here to make a little bit of noise, but uh, if they get shook, I think they'll stay shook. I think we should move on. I'm calling it a 4-0 sweep. What about you guys? I'm going to call it a 4-1. The Wolves fans and crowd might push them along for one game, uh, and it wouldn't surprise me to see the Rockets just miss a lot of shots in at least one game. So let's call it a gentleman sweep 4-1. Uh, I'm going to go for, I think by now, the Wolves have been run into the ground by Tibbs, and I just don't think they're going to have much there for the playoffs. All right. All right. As you said, Ed, let's move on. Swinging over to Golden State versus San Antonio. Golden State won the series 3-1. And, you know, just, just this week I was listening to, um, to, to Zach Lowe's podcast and he was reporting that a number of teams in the West were eyeing off a potential matchup with Golden State, saying something along the lines of the fear just isn't there with Curry out. And there's a, there's a feeling, there's a mood around the conference that the Warriors, for the first time in a long time, are actually quite vulnerable. They've had some shocking lo- uh, losses this past week or two. They look like they truly do not give a shit just waiting for the playoffs to start. I got a, I got a hunch that the Spurs can do a little bit of damage here, but I know not many people agree with me. How do you guys see the series? Uh, I see... A rough start for the Warriors because we are talking about one of the best defensive teams in the league who have been switched on uh, since the All-Star break. And you just don't have that much of a threat when Zaza or JaVale can't shoot and Draymond, his shots are still absolutely disgustingly ugly. They're Brick City. Yeah. And when Quinn Cook or Livingston, if Livingston is fit, are your point guard, you don't have enough of a spread out there where you have to worry entirely about KD and Clay. Right. And you can sag off the other three guys so much that they don't have any other skills that help. 
that that's the thing. Like, is is there without Curry? Is it just about a matter of the defense don't have to like have eyes in the backs of their heads and be paranoid about this guy who can get hot from anywhere on the court? And they don't. Um, and it means that they can legitimately try to contain just two shooters in Clay and KD, and that's a much, much easier task, especially when you're defensively minded like San Antonio. And then it's like, okay, can LaMarcus Aldridge um, get a rhythm going? I mean, he's struggled in the playoffs a few times, um, but this has been the season of him kind of rewriting his narrative with San Antonio, and wouldn't it be sweet if he could kind of get a bit of momentum going early in this series? Yeah, and he doesn't have a bad record against Golden State. LaMarcus, he, he's actually, he's shooting good percentages against Golden State and actually has a good record against them. He's averaging 27 points a game versus the Warriors in his career. Now, yes, that, that this is a really interesting little side bit in the whole series. I, I think this will go to six games personally, and I think the Warriors are going to get an almighty scare. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I just don't think it's as easy to go from we fucking hate the regular season and we're bored to we have to now be crisp and our detail has to be absolutely 100% and everything we do, the execution has to be 100% because we're playing against a good defense. If the Warriors lucked out and got to play someone whose defense maybe was struggling a little bit like the Wolves or the Nuggets, then, yeah, I think they could have swept the first-round series. But you can't just beat the Spurs with lackadaisical play or, hey, we just have enough talent to beat you. I agree completely. Um, I think that they're going to come out a little bit rusty and God knows they're facing a well-coached team, right? Like, you can't come out rusty against a team that's going to be professional start to finish. I think that, that, um, and yeah, we've seen the Warriors be a bit nonchalant the past couple of months, but it's also like key guys like Clay Thompson. He's made virtually no noise this season and the Warriors will probably flick a switch and they'll, most of them will be on, but like guys like KD, they've actually made noise during the regular season at points, but, but guys like Clay, guys like Draymond, like they've been playing with this attitude for so long now. Like after 82 games, can they actually just suddenly switch it on purely because they're the Warriors and Steve Kerr's their coach? They've won two championships in the past three years. Like, is it possible? I don't think it's possible. It's and if we're going to go straight to our prediction, I'm picking the Spurs in seven. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, drop the mic, Adam G. Holy oh. shit. Okay. Okay. I, I actually really, don't think I, that's I just, crazy. I just don't think with... What, what are we looking at? We're looking at two players on the Warriors with any kind of offensive skill that worries you. Yeah, I think that's it. If they can, if they can lock those two down, I can just see, though, Kevin Durant playing both ends of the floor and kind of rescuing them. But I mm. think six or... Um, Six or seven games isn't a wild bet. HB, what's your prediction? Uh, Warriors win 4-2. 4-2, okay. Um, 
let's move on. What about you, Ed? Uh, I've said uh, Warriors, Warriors and six, so Warriors four two as well. Um, shout out to Timmy. Let's move on <laughs> to the remarkable three seed. That's the Portland Trailblazers. Um, they're going to be playing the Pelicans in what I think is quite a, a nicely balanced matchup, as you'd hope for with the three six. Um, the big questions here. Oh, pardon me. These two tied their season series, kind of emphasizing the fact that they were really close. Um, and yeah, the big question here is, uh, can Anthony Davis finally win a playoff series? What do you think, guys? I think the biggest question here is, will we see playoff Rondo again? <laughs> it would be remarkable given what happened last year because he resurrected himself from the dead. He tried to dad Dick Boston and did a pretty good job of it before he got injured. <laughs> and he's been playing fucking incredibly well the past few weeks. He, yeah, like, forget Anthony Davis. Playoff Rondo is coming back. I would love that. My goodness, my goodness. Uh, I th- no, seriously, the question you ask is correct. Uh, I think Anthony Davis can do this. Um, I think that the Trailblazers can go cold at times. I think their defense can go absent at times. Um, they do lean heavily on these, um, as you've noted, Adam G, fourth quarter heroics. Um, but when you've got a guy like Anthony Davis at one end of the floor with really nice players around him, really mature players, really smart players around him, um, I, I think they can steal this one. I, I really do. Well, who, who would even guard Davis? Yusef Nurkic? Nurkic and... Or maybe even no, see, Aminu. No, see, this is, what, this is what the Blaze have been doing, and I don't know why they've been doing it, but they've been doing it for quite a while now, is they've actually had Aminu guarding big. Yeah. Oh, and God. He's, he's like 6'8", and he's not heavy. He's not the biggest. He's like a perfect Ariza-style uh, 3D guy, wing. But he's been guarding these bigs, and I think it helps you with any kind of pick and roll, and it helps with... I guess forcing opponents into a lot of post-up play, which, as we've learned, isn't the most reliable or the most efficient. Um, and it'll be interesting if they continue to do that and if they continue to use a guy like Aminu on Anthony Davis because the Pelicans offer no wing threat and also because Maurice Harkless is out for the next three weeks still. I get why they do it. Um but I think he'll be showing up. I think it's going to be a classic case of this is a, it's a team effort to guard a guy like Anthony Davis and you yeah. don't expect him to be out of a game ever. You just want to kind of limit his overall impact on both ends of the floor and let the rest of the team win the game. But I don't know. It's going to be really, really interesting. I actually think that... Um, as the Blazers have done in the past, this could be a really dramatic six or seven game series. And I think the Pelicans are going to win. Um, I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to go with here, but I just find it hard to trust a team with only those three players, even though Lillard has been absolutely amazing. Unconscious. Um, If I'm taking Lillard, yeah, but if I'm taking Lillard versus Anthony Davis, plus both of them, including a little help here and there and role players, I'm taking playoff Rondo over Damian Lillard. <laughs> um, but I do think 
it's hard to pick. And I think the only way I could pick is Pelicans in seven. Yeah. Yeah, I'll second mm. that. HB? Pelicans in six. Wow. Yeah, look. If you use, I have us on the Blazers. Nah, look, if you use that kind of classic best player on the court way of thinking, I think that Davis is the, is the best player, uh, that Lillard can be the best player in any given game. But then the next best player, I would choose like Rondo slash Holiday over McCollum based on recent form and based on like playoff experience. Um, I think that either of those guys have a potential to win a game for the team or influence a game their way. Yeah, I just I, I, I don't feel good about picking the Blazers, so I'm going to say Pelicans in seven. Um, and also, just sorry, just Blazers have been to the playoffs the past few years. What have they actually ever done in the playoffs? They really haven't made any noise. There was that fourth quarter uh, series clinching shot by Lillard. Okay, that's one. That, that was it. Like that was it. Yeah. That was their. That was what two or three seasons ago when they won in the first round. I think with a. Didn't they knock out final... the Rockets? Yes. I think so. Yeah. With that and... legendary show, it looked like a college game. Yeah. And how much has the team really changed since last season when they finished eight seed? The only difference is that I would say Lillard is better. Yeah, and He's how much can you rely step. on that guy who's <laughs> you've relied on him for the past month and a half already? Yeah, and you know, the can Drew Holiday and Rondo do enough to share the load and keep McCollum and Lillard at least mildly contained? Yeah, I'd, I wouldn't put it past them at all. I like mm. their construction. And I like their grit. I like the fuck you attitude post boogie injury. And AB also point. Oh, go on, Adam B. Yeah, that that Lillard game was three years ago, 2014. Wow, that's a hell of a shot. HB. Yeah. Um, I think you pointed out earlier, Adam B, that Portland's also the youngest team in the playoffs. Yes, well. astonishingly. Yeah, so I'm wondering how their young role players will cope with this kind of environment. They have good leadership, but still, it's a different beast playoffs. Look, earlier today, we had a chat after this Nuggets-Wolves game, which we, we kind of said, yeah, it was, the, it was the Wolves' time. You know, they missed something like 14 straight playoffs. They got a team that felt right and clicked, and they've been hanging around for a while, and they finally made it. This feels like Anthony Davis's time to win a series, and I fully expect him to impose himself aggressively on this series and get it done. Um, let's move on. Final game, uh, final series out in the West is a really sexy one. Uh, maybe the pick of the bunch. It's the Thunder at the four seed with home court advantage uh, against the Jazz. The Thunder took out this series 3-1 in the regular season. I just think that there's just so many characters uh, in this series. Not only have you got Russ, not only have you got Paul George, not only have you got Mello with a big old question mark over his head and you don't know what the fuck he's going to do, then you've got this like highly emotional Gobert. You've got Jay Crowder who could absolutely suck any minute. Uh, I'm just, I'm really pumped for this series. I don't know about you guys. I'm just pumped for my uh, third team All NBA selection, Joe Ingles. 
and, uh, and one of the uh, secret, secretly best wings in the league this season. Playmaking, good defense, one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Um, I don't think, I don't think the Thunder can win just because of the then they're so poorly coached and they get so little out of what they have. Like they're the opposite of the get the most out of the sum of all your parts. They got like, so much individual talent, but they are such a worse team than the Jazz. But with, with all those, yeah, with all those players, what did they win this season? 47 games? Yeah. With all the players they had and Russ averaging a triple-double this season, they managed, sorry, they, they managed to win 48 games. Yeah, like they just haven't got a good coach. They haven't got a balanced roster construction. It kind of feels a lot like the Thunder did last year, despite the fact they got all these new weapons. Um, but oh, fuck me. This is the ultimate test of team versus talent, as you've noted, Adam G. This is, you know, this is going to really bear out the way of reality. Can Russell and Paul George and Mello find a way to coexist, sacrifice, play some team basketball, play some team defense and get it done? Or you got this team, the fucking Jazz, who made one of the all-time mid-season turnarounds, who have been, you couldn't even call it like, they're not on a streak or anything. It's just been sustained half-season momentum, looking unbelievable. Yeah, they were 11. They were, they were 11 dead. in the West, yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- this, is, <laughs> this is delicious for anyone who loves NBA basketball. Uh, so I'm going to ask the difficult question now. Who wins this series? What are our predictions? Mm. Hayden, you go first. I think Thunder make good work of the Jazz with, let's say, in six games. Mm. And does anyone here think Mitchell is going to hold up in the playoffs? Is he going to prove himself to be Big Balls Mitchell? Big Balls Donovan? No. No, and I think I think Paul George will enjoy that challenge if that's where they use Paul George. Um, and I think as much as I'd love the better team with the better coach with the better organization to beat a team of underperforming stars who can, and if they do whatever they want to get Russ forty rebounds in two games, <laughs> but they still can't actually manage to get the best out of their talent. Um, and I still think they'll win. And I think they, I'd, I'd almost want to say they would, they'll win in five, but let's say they'll beat the Jazz in six. I'm going to, I'm going to go Thunder in five. I, I believe in talent way too much. And I think that yeah. the Jazz could just kind of get a bit overwhelmed. I mean, they didn't last year in the playoffs. They really put up a good fight. Um, but I mean, if the Thunder are ever going to click, if they're ever going to be something in the near future, it's going to be in this series and they'll prove themselves. I think they'll do it in five games. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's swing over to the East, young boys. we got a lot of awesome series here. I think that every single series is a complete toss-up. I wouldn't be surprised to see any of these eight teams win. Um, and we'll start off with the first seed Raptors against the absolutely fucking hopeless Wizards, like, and I mean, hopeless. 
they have underperformed so badly. If they had any kind of star on their team, they would be under so much criticism right now. But so perennially disappointing they are, people don't even bother criticizing them anymore. I like that. I like that subtle dig at they don't have a star on their team. I hope John Wall's listening. I hope he is too. Yeah, he would 100% be listening. Having said that, Um, they split the series. Can we congratulate? Can we congratulate and celebrate the Raptors for their first Eastern Conference uh, one seed and and win in their franchise history? No. <laughs> I just I just hate the Wizards. Like as much as Martin Gortat hates John Wall, and everyone hates John Wall, and Bradley Beal hates John Wall, I like what the Raptors have achieved more than what I hate them. Yeah, God, I hate both of these teams so much. Uh, God, uh, look, here's my thinking on this. The, the These two teams split the regular season series, and it's my understanding that John Wall didn't play in any of the games, which is really, really interesting. Um, and I've had this niggling feeling all season that the Raptors are not for real. I can't shake the feeling that as much as they've changed up the game plan and they've done so well getting all the players to buy into it, Dwayne Casey, hats off to you, sir. I can't shake the feeling that with this same personnel under playoff pressure, you're going to get similar results and people are going to revert back to old habits. And so I think that game one will tell us a lot and I could see the Raptors losing it. I just think the Wizards have been getting more out of all their players without John Wall. And they had a few fourth quarter issues where Beal and guys were tired, but I don't think this is going to be close. Okay. I just don't see how this Wizards team is going to beat the Raptors team more than once. Uh, I, I, actually, I, I, I know the Raptors have lost nine games, nine game ones in a row. Nine games, game ones in a row. They are not losing this game one. And I know they're going to be putting more pressure on themselves, but I like that I'd like to see, and I think it's a big chance to see that even their bench can win them a game at home. And I don't think their bench players are going to do well away from home in Washington, but I see the Raptors winning this 4-1, and I see this as an absolute embarrassment for the Wizards. Well, to me, a lot of this series is going to come down to... Um, it's going to come down to DeMar DeRozan versus Bradley Beal. They've both had their poo-poo yeah. moments in the playoffs. Like, I'm not especially scared. You know when you're playing a team, you're like, oh, that's the guy I'm scared of. Like, don't let that guy touch the ball. Don't let him get up 20 shots today. I'm not scared of either of those guys. And to me, in a, in a micro way, that little matchup could define the series. If Bradley Beal decides to be good, to the point where he's drawing multiple defenders and opening up a lane for John Wall, who can then distribute even more effectively, great, sexy. Similarly, if DeMar comes out and actually hits threes and doesn't default to contested mid-range jumpers at the start of the fourth quarter, the Raptors will win this thing in a canter. Um, but I don't think it's going to be that decisive, not 4-1. I, I, I'm going to pick him 4-2. HB? Uh, sweep Raptors. Oh, fucking brutal. Yeah, Do we think I this just, is the yeah. Go on. No, I just think 
Scotty Brooks, he's just had his chances and <laughs> it's not down to him. <laughs> Yeah. He's just a real he's a down luck kind of dude. He's yeah. a stinker of he's a coach. Like a, he's very similar <laughs> to Billy Donovan, funnily enough. Um, is, Billy, is Billy Donovan going to be the next Wizards coach? Yes. I wouldn't be surprised. He's a fucking lock. He's a fucking lock. I think I remember that Celtics-Wizards matchup last season and there was an overtime somewhere early in the series and the best player for the Celtics in that overtime was 100% Scotty Brooks. He was unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, his lack of plays, his lack of clock management, his, his reluctance to pull things away from the way they were going. He was great for the Celtics last season. And, yeah, I couldn't pick the Wizards and keep a straight face, but I think it'll be, um, I think it'll be six games, the Raptors. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just think they have the better coach. They've got home court advantage, which is a big advantage in Toronto. They have a better team in terms of number of good players, depth, and team chemistry. They like each other. They they seem to like each other. And not only that, there's no advantage in the guard. Wall and Beal, which is the Wizards' strength, they have no advantage over the Raptors. Yeah, and Gortat's not exactly an upgrade on Big Valanciunas or anything like that. What are they going to exploit? yeah, I know, and that's the most depressing big man matchup going around in these series. Jalen <laughs> Unis versus Martin Gotthard just could not be any less interesting. Hey, one of these series has to be on NBA TV, and God. Oh, come on, you can't <laughs> put the number one seed on NBA TV. Dude, it's going to be so be boring. Like, it's just got, it's got absolutely no real star power to it. Neither team's particularly entertaining to watch. Like, if you go through every other series in the East, you've got like a superstar. And in this series, yeah. anyway, we've made our predictions. Let's move on from that depressing series. And, and I, I can't wait to see one of those teams. Win. Yeah, one of those teams lose. Players only. Yeah, players Play only. Game. Players only. <laughs> uh, okay, here's an interesting matchup. It's the, it's the number two seed belt, uh, Celtics against the Bucks. They tied the series, uh, regular season series 2 2. Celtics obviously going to be without both Kyrie Irving and likely Marcus Smart, um, at least for the first week of the series. Marcus Smart may come back if the series drags out. So And Daniel Tice and Gordon Hayward. Yes, <laughs> Daniel Tice, uh, Gordon Hayward. They would have, really, would have liked the Daniel Tice to throw in there and maybe soak up some fouls because, as you've noted here, Adam G, and fuck these notes are just exceptional. This is going to come down to Brad Stevens versus Giannis. And I think that um, whichever one spooks the other first will win the series. I think that the Bucks have a unique opportunity where if they kind of, if they land the first punch of this series, they could spook the Celtics who are going to be relying on the likes of Terry Rozier, Jason Tatum, Shane Larkin to... Play serious minutes, maintain leads, make comebacks. Um, they could get shook, and if I am whoever the fuck the coach of the Milwaukee Bucks is, I'm instructing my players <laughs> to go out there and like you know hit him with a punch early. What do you guys think? I do. I just think that. Yeah, Giannis and the Bucks could spook them. And they've 
quietly assembled a few nice pieces this year with Bledsoe, Middleton, Jabari Parker back, and of course Giannis. Um, but the development the Celtics have, and to be honest, I think most people around the league would be looking at them as underdogs in this series. I think that's actually where they thrive. Um, and they've shown it this season by still pulling off a top two seed and accumulating 50-something wins. Um, and I think that sort of underdog zone is really just sort of an X factor in this series. Mm. Yeah, scary Terry. Yeah. Scary Terry could I either act are... out or um, step up. It'll be interesting to see. Sorry, Adam G. Go on. I think as much as we dislike the Wizards and think that they should almost be on NBA TV permanently, even if they got through to the NBA Finals, That's right. um, <laughs> I actually think the Milwaukee Bucks are the worst team in the playoffs. And I think this game, this series, should be on NBA TV. Apologies, Brad Stevens, but Brad Stevens is going to kick the shit out of the Bucks and obviously never actually handle the ball. And your Celtics as much as I hate to say it, they're going to sweep the series. Or oh. Mm, there, there, there is a chance that could happen. And by the way, I think Brad Stevens would be fucking delighted if this was on NBA TV. <laughs> I think that would be, that'd be his dream outcome. Keep it as low-key as possible. Um, I think that the Bucks will have, have, have a guess. Yeah, have a guess that the three teams outside of the playoffs who had a, bet net rating, a better net rating this season than the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, that could be the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets, correct. Uh, that could also be not the Pistons. Uh, oh, is is there a, is there an is there a really unexpected one in there, Adam G? There's one unexpected. The second one would be the Clippers, which is not totally unexpected. They is, had a good. Is the third one the top. Lakers? No, the third one is the Hornets. Whoa, Kemba. Even the Charlotte Hornets with Dwight Cancer Howard <laughs> still, managed, still managed to have a better net rating than the Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis. Yeah, I think they are fucking atrocious. They are the worst thing. They're terribly the coached. Are at least laughable. Yeah, the Wizards are laughable. They're funny to watch because of how poorly they play, considering their talent and how good they are. The Bucks aren't even enjoyable to laugh at. It's just sad watching Giannis try so hard every single game and his coach isn't helping him. His teammates don't know what to do because his coach isn't helping them. And whenever Jabari gets the ball, it's just head down at the basket. Can I get myself a new contract for next year? They need a new coach. There's no doubt about it because there was a time earlier this season where they really looked like they were going to lock up home court advantage and really take yeah. that next step. Couldn't work it out with Kid. Haven't worked it out with whoever the fuck this guy is. Um, I think they're probably the most disappointing team in the playoffs, which is a hard thing to do when the Washington Wizards are in your conference. But yeah, yeah. I, I think that I do think that Giannis is going to win them one game. And I think like do not underestimate like this is so important. Like Shane Larkin is going to take a lot of shots in this series. Terry Rozier is going to take a lot of shots in this series. Jason Tatum, a 19-year-old rookie, is going to take a lot of shots in this series. They're also going to be playing key defensive possessions um, against guys like Middleton and Brogdon and Bledsoe. And I, 
I have a lot of faith in those guys, and I have even more faith in Brad Stevens. But th- they will get. I, I do think they'll get beat at least once. And the Bucks, if they somehow manage to make everything click, could be really scary. But I think it'll be the Celtics in five. Uh, Hayden. Yeah, I'll agree with you. Celtics in five. Um, it's just in the like you guys have players like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, uh, then like less experienced guys, but older than like Terry Rogier. Um, you guys have just done too well this season and they, those guys have belief in themselves. They've developed nicely this season and it's just a calmer presence about them compared to the Bucks. Uh, when I last saw the Bucks play, which is actually would have been against the Nuggets the other week, it got, they were up 18 with eight minutes to go and Nuggets just put together a quiet little run and you could see the panic in the Bucks and they just, they couldn't close it out. And that's happened a number of times in this season. Um, so when they get to a playoff environment with what I believe is, may not be coach of the year, but probably the best coach in the league, um, it's going to be tough for them to just <laughs> string much together against them. So, but I expect Giannis to have one big game, of course. So I'll say 4-1. And, and I expect Kadeem Allen to have one big game. Um, okay. Don't forget Abdel Nader. Yeah, don't forget Abdel Nader and the guy they just signed out of China to fill out the roster. Okay, <laughs> okay, let's move on. We got the 76ers, mm. astonishingly the three seed, astonishingly. Well done, 76ers. I think they finished the season on a 16-game winning streak. Holy fucking oh. shit. The three-seed Philadelphia 76ers against the six-seed Miami Heat, who, by the way, <clears throat> today in the final game, of this, uh, the final day of the season, beat Toronto in Toronto in overtime. No, it wasn't in Toronto. My apologies. Beat Toronto in Miami in overtime with Toronto playing all of their starters. This 76ers Heat regular season series was tied 2-2. They match up astonishingly well together, astonishingly well together. The bigs, obviously, you got Whiteside, you got Embiid going at it. Um, by the way, do we know uh, when exactly Embiid is expected back? I think he's out for the first round. I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Well, either way, it it's- says, yeah, it says he's unlikely to play in game one. Uh, so let's call him out for game one, which at home isn't a great thing for. 76ers, uh, missing one of their home games. Yeah, uh, after that, I think maybe they played by ear. Maybe they hope they win the series without having to need him or yeah. something like that. And I think they might just try and keep him out for as long as possible. To be fair, they've been playing great without him, which has been one of the big question marks of them uh, over them in the past. But they've just been exceptional. Uh, if anyone watched that game of theirs against the Cavaliers where they kind of went up 30 and just kind of let it whittle away to nothing and then pull it out in the end, um, that to me actually gave, gave me a lot of faith in them. They can string together, uh, you know, two good quarters in a row. They can put their foot on a team's throat. Ben Simmons is 100% fucking for real. I really like the veterans they've signed. We've spoken about this, I think all of us, a few times about guys like um, Ilya Sova coming on board. Um, JJ Redick is a calming presence. I don't know. I like this team, but 
for whatever reason, the white sides of the world um, are giving them trouble. And I will give them, I'll give the Heat this. They got the better coach in this series and Spolstra should not be underestimated. No, and here's the uh, 76ers 16-game win streak, starting with the first two games. Knicks, Nets, Hornets, Grizzlies, all shit. Magic, Timberwolves without Butler. Nuggets, just a struggling Nuggets shooting day. Knicks again, Hawks, Hornets again, Nets again, Pistons, who suck, the Cavs when the Cavs almost came back from 30 points down to win, the Mavs, the Hawks again, and then they just beat the Bucks team who were down by 30 points in the first quarter. That's not an impressive 16-game run. Uh, you can only beat who's in front of you, man. And uh, to be fair, okay, but a lot of teams have lost the crappy teams. What? Yeah, but now the Heat are in front of them, and the Heat are well-coached, have good players, have experience. I see this exactly like the Thunder-Jazz matchup, or similar to the Thunder-Jazz matchup, where we have one team with a lot more talent, an individual talent, another team who we would say is a better team. Mm. The difference here is the better team is the more experienced team here. And yes. the individual talent team is very young, and they strongly rely on the opponent turning the ball over, getting out on a fast break, using their pace, using their legs, causing chaos with people unable to be aware of who guards Simmons. Do we guard him with a wing? Do we guard him with our point guard? Mismatches, cross matches. So if the Heat can take care of the ball, they win this series and they do it quite easily. Oh. <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what else that the 76ers rely on a lot, though. A rookie, <laughs> that everything flows yeah. through one guy, and we don't know how that guy's going to perform in the playoffs. I think he has big old balls and will do really, really well, especially because he didn't have to shoot the ball. Um, but oh, I, the idea of the Heat pulling this one out easily is a little bit beyond. Me. I don't think they'll pull it out easily. In fact, I don't think they're going to win. I think the Seventy Sixers are going to need all seven games to do it, but they're going to win in seven. I think the Heat win this in six. They win it on their home court. Hmm. HB. I think... What do you Dep- think, HB? Depending on uh, when Embiid returns, I could see the Heat scaring the Sixers in the first few games. But then I can let's also say, see... Okay, let, let's say he misses game one. Hmm. They possibly have a, a stinker game one and they lose. You think he returns game two? I'm not sure if he returns just because they have a stinker. Um, look, I, I reckon Philly in seven. All right. I like the heat. Just, I like Josh Richardson. And yeah. they can have dangerous nights if Wayne Ellington is hot from beyond the arc. Yeah, um, he can get hot. Uh yeah. Uh, I think that this could be the best, the best series of all of them. Like, this could be absolutely wild going back and forth. If it's anything like the, they were in the regular season, I think it'll be dope. And there'll also be so many entertaining storylines, like could Fultz swing a game off the bench? Like, you know, bring back, <laughs> bring yeah, him back. Yeah, triple-double off the bench today. Yeah, in 25 minutes, he had a triple-double, Markel. Uh, there's so many Younger good storylines. Yes, youngest Fuck you, ever. Lonzo. Fuck you, Lonzo. Um, that's going to be a good series. That's my pick. Um, 
Okay, and the final playoff series for us to cover. Uh, Our beloved Cavs. Oh, my goodness. The beloved Cavs. They've slipped to the four seed, which is just about as low as I can remember them being in a, like a LeBron team being in a long time. Four seed. They've been one or two for like surely the past six years. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, it's the Cavs versus the Pacers, four versus five. The Cavs lost this series, one, three. Uh, the Pacers, probably the least sexy team in the NBA, the least appreciated team in the NBA playoffs. Um, we, got, we got a lot of fun shit here. We got Oladipo for the first time in his career leading a team in, into the playoffs. Uh, he's cooled off a little bit, but he's had a hell of a season. You've got this weird Frankenstein fucking Cavs roster being put uh, under serious pressure for the first time. A lot of new faces. Um, can it mesh? There's still like a weird injury illness uh, cloud over Ty Lue. Um, it's, it's the reunion of LeBron James and Lance Stevenson. Uh, where we last we've all been waiting for the the wonderful, very gifable blowing in the ear moment. Holy shit! There's a lot to unpack in this series. I honestly don't know what's going to happen here. Oh, fuck. Uh, what do you What do you guys think? I think uh, to move past or ignore the fact that LeBron has never lost a first round series would be uh, bad of us because he has never lost a first round series ever. And he's lost game one. He's lost the first game of a playoffs more than once, multiple times. But he has never lost a first-round playoff series because when he comes up against a team who just isn't that good or isn't at the top end of the NBA scale, I guess, he, he doesn't need that much help to beat them. And I can't move past the Cavs. Yeah, it, it does have all the vibes of LeBron, everyone kind of sleeping on LeBron and the Cavs, and then LeBron just dad dicking the team and reminding everyone he's in town. Um, yeah, yeah. If LeBron's been, if LeBron plays the way he's been playing for the past, you know, month, um, and he gets literally anything out of those other idiots, Jeff Green and yeah. J.R. Smith, like if he gets just literally anything, they could actually sweep this series. But uh, oh god, I want I want to pick I want to pick the paces badly. But you're right. You can't argue with logic. History is the best predictor. Uh, it's Cavs in five. Hayden Bedell. What do you think, Hayden? Paces. No. I like them a lot. I love no. them. <laughs> No, 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 Let me finish my sentence. Let me finish my sentence. I like them a lot. I'm the fact that I get Lance and LeBron again <laughs> makes this day a little bit easier. Um, but I think Victor Oladipo could go inhuman for a couple games. Um, but at the end of the day. LeBron is like a demigod. At the time, I'll say Cavs in six. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there, Hayden. Cavs in six for sure. That's a first. I don't know if I'm ready for yeah, poo-poo, um, <laughs> poo-poo playoff Cavs. Uh, they've been so disappointing. So be the, 
Yeah, this is going to just uh, be similar to the Cavs Raptors matchup from a couple of seasons ago when the final score was 4 2, but it was actually a very easy Cavs series. Yeah, it win. wasn't close. Yeah, I could totally and see that. Look, there's always a game where LeBron basically plays observer and sees how the series is going to go. Okay, like, what do I need to do? Do I need to score more this series? Who do we need to stop? And he's able to almost win a game while not even trying to win that game. And if he happens to win it, great. Otherwise, he loses it. But then he has all the information he needs for the rest of the series, and they win. Yeah, I think he's going to dad dick him. But, uh, God, the drama of poo-poo calves in the playoffs would just be delicious, and I'd like to see him get scared. We'll see what happens there. Um, really quickly, before we go, um, and I think a lot of this is just ceremonial, let's go through just the, just the, just the singular picks from all of us for each of the awards. Um, let's start with most valuable player. Uh, if I was voting on a ballot this year, I would pick LeBron James. And I know it's very, very controversial, but that's who I would pick. Uh, I think James Harden will win, but my pick would be LeBron James. Uh, how about you guys? Harden. You'd pick Harden or that's who you think? Yeah, I'd pick Harden. Uh, he's, he's still only had Chris Ball for 58 games. And the extra 20 games that he's played without Chris Ball have shown. And he's actually played good defense in the post and they've used him well there. And his offense has been ridiculous. With LeBron, his offense has been ridiculous. But I just don't like watching LeBron on defense. And that's the, really the minute detail where I pick Harden over him. I I would pick LeBron if I was a media member because he's 33 years old and <laughs> leads his team in every statistical category pretty much. Um, and it's like kept them a top four, a home court advantage, despite all the drama and Ty Lue, whatever's going on with his health. Um, but... It was kind of sealed up when James Harden just put Wesley Johnson in the ground. It killed that man. Yeah, it that, killed that man. That, yeah, <laughs> the guy's dead can't now. Have that play. Yeah, he, he had a good. Yeah, run. that um, was that was a signature MVP moment. I agree. Yeah. No, yeah, he's dead. Um, he's dead now. Um, Wesley Johnson. He is. He's gone. He's dead. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Uh, moving on. Sixth man. That's hard. Isn't it? Is it? I don't think it's hard. I think it was hard earlier when Eric Gordon was going crazy. But Lou Williams is the man. He's the sixth man of the year. And his shot is so sweet. I, I don't love a mid-range, a mid-range jumper any more than his. All right. I'm going to respect that pick. HB? Yes. Sweet Lou is what they call him. And... You know when he could like shoot two for fifteen in the first half or in the first three quarters, but then when it comes to that fourth quarter, you know if he makes one bucket, you're yeah. fucked. There's no chance. You are fucked. Um, he, yeah, he's just something else in the fourth quarter, and he virtually kept the Clippers in that playoff race much longer than they should have been, um, just with his antics in the fourth quarter. And, yeah, he's been spectacular, so he deserves it. 
Speaking of deserving, I don't want to hear any argument about this. The most improved player in the NBA is Victor Oladipo. I look forward to him collecting that trophy. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, there's no doubt. Although Spencer Dimwoody had something to say the other day about that. No, can't Spencer. Fuckwit. I like it. I like hearing your notes, Adam G. Though you've noted, you've noted at the very last on your little notes here. Terry, you got scary Terry Rogier. (laughs) He had a good. Yeah, he's done all right. He's done all right. I think he's earned $8 million a year. Yes, I agree completely. That's a good number. That's a nice number. Um, I, th- I think yeah. you're, you're missing, if, if I think, and this isn't me being a homer or anything, but I think Gary Harris has being improved up. spectacularly this season. Um, he's become one of the best two-way guards in the league and not, well, not on the all-deeper level, but yeah, Gary should be up okay. there. I agree, I agree a little bit, but you are a massive homer, and there is so much responsibility that is being with Murray and Jokic, and Jokic especially. I, I don't think he's at the level where for the 30-odd games or whatever it is that Kyrie has missed, and even when Kyrie was still playing, I think even Rozier has shown fourth-quarter balls that have been pretty impressive. Um, and I think Gary Harris is... I just don't think he's even close to Oladipo or Drummond or Kyle Anderson or any of them. What about Fred Van Vliet? There's a few people saying he should get even sixth man of the year. Yeah, no, I think Gary Harris is a better player than some of those guys, but I just don't think he's improved as much as some of the other ones. I'll admit, Andre Drummond's free throw shooting has gotten significantly better. I really didn't intend for this podcast to be derailed into a five-minute conversation about Gary Harris's season. <laughs> so let's fucking move on. Um, co- Coach of the year. This will actually be an interesting debate because I really disagree with your list, Adam G. Ooh. Oh, okay. Then tell me who, because you never gave us man of the year. You managed to pull out of that one. Pull out of what? You managed to pull out of the sixth man of the year. You didn't give you give us a selection for that. They, I said so I agreed the, with you. I said I'm not going to disagree with yeah, you on okay. Lou Williams. Brad All Stevens right, is well, the coach of the year, and there's no questioning it. I hate having to talk Celtics and Nuggets with you two. This is oh, not a homer opinion. He's going to win. Wins. He, he is going to no, win, and he should win. Why? Here's why. First and foremost, last year they finished first in the East, um, made a playoff and run. They finished second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Last year they finished first in the East, made a playoff run, and got into a pickle with their roster construction and their salaries. They lost, or rather moved, four of their five starters starters that were totally ingrained and necessary to a system that was working well. Four out of five starters go. So that's, the, that's, that's what Brad Stevens started the year with. Then five minutes into the season, one of those new highly priced starters goes out. All the work from the summer goes out the window. All the planning from the summer goes out the window. Then the second star you sign to fill in that, that huge void that you lost in the offseason misses 22 games. Nonetheless, these guys finished the season, finished the season regularly starting a rookie 
and they finished this season with more wins than they had last year, and they finished comfortably second in the conference and were threatening to win the one seed right up until last week. So, to they me... They were threatening to win the one seed. If they beat, if they beat Toronto like a week ago, they, they would have been ahead of them. Um, yeah, but they didn't. But they didn't. But what I'm saying is they won more games this season. Brad Stevens' team has faced more adversity than pretty much all the other top candidates for Coach of the Year besides Quinn Snyder, who did really well to turn a team around and dealt really well with reintegrating Gobert. But to me, Brad Stevens is comfortably the Coach of the Year. Okay, so where do I have Brad Stevens on my list? Third, I'm not saying that Brad Stevens is a bad coach. This is not a you either like him or hate him. I think he's done a really good job. I think he's run the exact same system as last year with a point guard heavy usage that gets the most out of the guard and the ball dominant guy, but also incorporates a little bit of ball movement off that. I think he's run the exact same system as last year with little sprinkles on defense of the occasional try out of a zone defense. But I think he's done the exact same job as last year. And with the addition of Kyrie and an awesome rookie season from Tatum and improvement from Jalen Brown as well, I just think they've done the same as last year, but won a few more games. I don't think he's done anything different from last year. Right. If you're it's, almost, it's almost indistinguishable from last year, and he made that system work with an entirely new set of players. In many cases, brand new guys who hadn't been part of a system. Shane Larkin was playing in like Europe last year. And they got all this out of Jason Tatum. And Terry Rozier is filling, filling the slot that was designed around Isaiah Thomas and Kyrie Irving. Like, that to me, that consistency is the most remarkable part of it. Yeah, I get that. But the Raptors have also, and I've got to coach of the year, the Raptors have also improved to a level where they've won eight more games. They've gone from finishing third to finishing first. And something that didn't work last year where they didn't get the most out of their guys, he has changed and now improved players' games. Isn't that a coach's job in the off-season to improve the things that they're not doing well? Okay, and that's what I'm saying. Brad Stevens hasn't improved from last season. Yes, because... I don't think... Half his roster's been decimated. No, but I don't think they've done anything different from last season. And I think there's nothing wrong with that because I don't think a coach has any more than 10 to 15% impact on a team. I think the rest of it is down to the players. 85, 90% of the team's results and scores and everything are down to the players. But the extra 10 or 15% Mm. can be either positive or negative down to the coach. And I think Dwayne Casey has done a full 15% extra for his team. I, I would agree with you that he's impacted his team this year. More than any, and other I think coach. that's what it's about. And I think that's what I think the awards about is how much right. of an impact it's made on your team this year. You know, how is and I put Quinn Snyder second behind Casey and ahead of Brad Stevens because I think missing Rudy Gobert for thirty odd games or twenty five games, he has still managed to keep them together. He's managed to incorporate a rookie into this season and into their offense, and so his impact this season has also been greater than what I think Brad Stevens' impact was. Mm. Uh, it's funny, like the way the way people look at the award and the different ways. Uh, to me, uh, what I'm looking for is really an ability to react to adversity, not only in like yeah. a big picture season point of view, but also like 
game to game and also quarter to quarter. And when it comes to after timeout plays and throwing out a weird lineup or a zone defense or knowing that a team's going to be okay if Al Horford goes out for two weeks, like I would back Brad Stevens first. Uh, I think he's he's proven himself the best at adapting um, to what he's got or what's been thrown at him. But I guess, look, I wouldn't be, no one could be upset if Dwayne Casey or Quinn Snyder won. I think some people might be upset if I Mark D'Antoni wins. I know. I, yeah, I know one person would be upset. <laughs> <laughs> fuck the Raptors, man. Like, you go, fuck that. Yeah. Can we all disagree? Can we all disagree that whoever we choose first, that Mark D'Antoni is our runner up for coach of the year? <laughs> just to be an extra cunt. <laughs> Yeah, this is just so easy. Yeah, another runner up again. Um, hey, who do you who do you think? Um, Brad Stevens for me is number one, um, purely because a, a lot of teams have faced injuries and adversity this year. But I think Ads told me earlier that they're all Celtics are actually the fourth youngest team in the playoffs. And to get to the point where he has with the fourth youngest teams out of the 16 in the playoffs, um, it's pretty impressive. And like, especially after, not to laugh about it, but Gordon Hayward going down five minutes into the season and your whole season could have turned into an absolute shitstorm. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. He rallied his troops and got got the job done to the best of his ability. And if that's a two seed, that's very impressive in my books. Um, All right, put it this way. If if Dwayne Casey lost to Bar DeRozan five minutes into the season and then had Kyle Lowry miss a quarter of the season, would they have finished in the top two of the Eastern Conference? Not a chance. They would have been lucky to scrape into the, like, the eight. I don't know. But yeah, I, know. I do respect in, what, in, what, what Casey did. Just quickly to back to Coach of the Year for one second. It's, it is a tie. Is it Gary like Harris? Casey. Is it Gary Harris? Is he the coach? Dwayne Casey's fuck off. Um, Dwayne Casey's <laughs> done a great job. Um, but I'd actually, above Quinn Snyder, I'd actually put Nate McMillan. Oh. yeah. Ooh. Okay. Above Snyder, though? Nate McMillan is like been really underrated. And I respect him a lot, but above Snyder. But if you think about it, <laughs> Quinn Snyder, like we know he's, a, he's always been a good coach. Like he got the Jazz to, was it third seed last year? Like 50 wins with Hayward and Gobert. Um, but everyone wrote off the paces from the start of the season. Not even anyone giving them no one a punter's that. chance. No, no one picked and that. Not only that, he almost got them home court advantage. And yeah, the Jazz did something amazing. They were on an amazing run. But you also remember for half the season, they were like 10th and 11th. Yeah. And Donovan Mitchell, he's been an amazing pickup for them. He just exploded when Gobert was out. It's pretty unheard. It's like people have been comparing it to um, Carmelo Anthony when he got drafted. Um, him and the whole him versus Simmons debate, similar to LeBron versus Carmelo. Well, hold up. And Let's save that for Rookie you, of the Year. Who's your Coach of the Year? My Coach of the Year is Brad Stevens. Oh, all right. Cool. All, right. all right. Let's move on. Okay. Rookie. Wait, 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 wait. I'm going to save that, actually. 
Let's go de- defensive player of the year because it's more underwhelming than rookie of the year. Defensive player of the year. Uh, this sucks because everyone's missed a lot of games. Uh, Rudy Gobert. He's just ridiculous. Rudy Gobert. I think he changed their season and he made them like, what, the most defense- effective defensive team for like this whole second half of the season. Um, yeah. He's unbelievable. He is like an old fashioned fucking defensive anchor. Um, yeah, he's better than. he's. I'd say he's better than Roy Hibbert when he was in his peak for that year or two. <laughs> no, but like when he was actually a stopper, I really mean that. Like, Gobert's been yeah. fucking sick. He turned their whole season around. And I am, like, I mean, like Roy Hibbert was really good in the, that year or two where he was elite. People couldn't. Yeah, people couldn't score more than seventy-five points on the paces those couple of years. Yeah, um, I agree with the Gobert call. I think that yet again, if Joel Embiid had played a few more games, we could have had a conversation about it. But um, no, nah. he's, he's played the same amount of games as Gobert, and he's not as good. So yeah, it's Gobert, and you know recency yeah. as well. Like it, Embiid's been has vanished through this whole sixteen-game winning streak. So it's clear his team can thrive without him. Um, go bear for me. HB, I know you feel strongly about this award. Do I? Well, you, you strongly? Were, you were saying a name that isn't even on this list before. I also said a name that was on this list, and I'll stick with that name. Um, Anthony Davis. And purely because of the fact, if I wanted one of those between him and Rudy Gobert on my team on the defensive end, I don't I just feel I'd rather Davis. Um, he's just so athletic and powerful. And how, does anyone know how they matched up like, this season? Jazz versus Pelicans. Um, I'm sure Twile can pull that up. But what I would say is that, yeah, absolutely. Like if I if I could have one of those two players, like just one into the court for a whole game, I'd probably pick Davis as well. But for me, if you're doing defensive player of the year, Gobert has shown just to me a more astonishing consistency, um, dominance on that end. Uh, oh, the season like series finished too well. Was that what you were asking for? The Chaz Pelican series? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I finished too all over the season. Okay. I, I just. Uh, Gobert. Go Anthony Davis. Like, Anthony Davis was pretty good in those games. He didn't score hugely. He only had 22 points a game in those games. Um, still only got two and a half assists a game. Wasn't shooting very well. Was only shooting at 44%. Uh, barely shooting well from three at all at 22%. But he didn't have great offensive games against the Jazz. Um, and I think that's just part of the Jazz's defense was really good. Mm. Well, I also think in terms of because everyone's making a big fuss about Gobert because Utah, uh, yeah, he's been great since he came back and Utah has had, like, the best defense in the league. But that's, I'm sure there's some stat out there with Gobert on and off the court for defensive um, rating. But Quinn Snyder is a defensive-minded coach um, and it, you can't be the number one defensive team in the league at any point if it's just one man on your team defending well, like I think the Utah Jazz as a group have played great defense and that starts with Gobert, sure. Um, but the Pelicans themselves aren't known as a defensive team yet. I think they've, every time I've seen them this season, they've been fantastic on it and in large part 
because Anthony Davis is relentless in getting as many stops as possible when he's there. Yeah, fair. I just think that even in those matchups, Bo Bear managed to still defend Anthony Davis to the point where he kept him down to 22 points a game. And Go Bear managed to actually score 19 points a game on Anthony Davis. Hmm. So he went way above his average on the offensive end and kept Anthony Davis pretty quiet on the offensive when did, end. When um, was their first – when were the games? Oh, there was one in February. Uh, mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't find where the other one is. Because um, I'm, I'm just, just thinking, think, would, would Gobert have been playing on Boogie? But look, it's not really about like how they matched up on one another. This is not what yeah. the award's about. Like from yeah. when when Gobert went out, when he missed when he missed like those kind of two or three months, the Jazz allowed 107 points per 100 possessions. When he came back, they won 23 of their next 28 games and they held teams to 96 points per 100 possessions. And they were comfortably the best league, uh, the best team in the league for those 30 games defensively. The on off there, you think about what he added to the team, where the team was from a record perspective, how they were performing defensively without him, and how they responded when he came back. To me, that just shows the power of his defense. I mean, he's not out there kind of dropping 30 points a game. He's there for his defense, and he made a huge difference to his team and played a big part or yeah. the part in making them the best defense in the league for a great chunk of the season. So to me, it's a, yeah. a comfortable one. He's a good anchor man, for sure. Yeah. All right, next one. Okay, um, we're going to wrap up the podcast with one more argument. Well, maybe it won't be an argument. A lot of people are arguing about this. Who's the rookie of the year? I still don't know. I <laughs> genuinely, I, I, I've been, I've put these notes down and I swapped Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons between one and two, maybe 15 times. And I, every time I went through a different playoff matchup, I went back to the rookie of the year, uh, my vote, and I still don't know. And I'm just going to go with Mitchell. Uh, that's all. I'm just going to go with, the guy who's had such a heavy offensive load uh, on that team as a rookie compared to the guy who has had a great last, his best stretch in the last sort of month. And we forget how dominant Embiid was on that team and maybe how Simmons wasn't quite as good as what he is right now earlier on in the season. Mm. To me, the question, I, I also, my heart says one thing, my head says another. But the, the way I've been trying to weigh this one up is Donovan Mitchell, a rookie, was thrown into a system and told, take all of Gordon Hayward's shots, right? We've got all these shots to take. You're a rookie. Go take them. He took them and he made them. And he made some incredible shots. Ben Simmons, as a rookie, was thrown into a really nice system and surrounded by pretty good shooters and said, just distribute. Just go do that. We've already yeah. built this whole system around you. You got an awesome center right next to you. You got knockdown shooters like JJ Redick, and we're going to bring in Ilya Sova. Just you know, control the court. So when I'm weighing these two up, I'm like, what's more impressive from a rookie? Going in and taking your shot, making your shot, and have being that impact guy that your teammates lean upon, 
or going in and orchestrating the floor uh, in a way that regularly kind of stole the show. Um, having such an incredible instinct of where a ball needs to land, um, where exactly, you know, you should, you should hit someone with a pass so they can pull up for their shot so easily. And when I think about it like that, I, I just can't go past Ben Simmons. He, he's shown so much poise and maturity, and I think he's shown a greater breadth of skill uh, than Mitchell, who I love, and I, I actually kind of despise the whole Ben Simmons hype train I don't like him and Clutch and Nike that much. Um, there's like an aura around him that's a little bit like early days LeBronish that I don't like as much. It's kind of like, yeah, he's king in waiting or whatnot. So I don't love that. Yeah. But you can't watch him and not really appreciate what he does. Donovan Mitchell is very, very special. And I think he makes a fucking good case when he argues what is and isn't a rookie. Um, but if Ben Simmons is eligible, which he is, to me, he's the rookie of the year. HB? I think Ben Simmons just impacts the game in too many more ways than Donovan Mitchell does. Donovan's got a great shot, great handles and whatnot. He's actually a pretty good defender. Um, but Ben Simmons is everywhere when he's playing. It's it's hard to to look past that and um, say that Donovan is all round better than him. I I look at it as who's the all round better player, and I think that's Ben. Fuck you guys! I'm going to change my decision again. Who is it? You got to go with Ben. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. I think. I think. No. I think the part that you just uh, clicked on me that I think I probably should have not overlooked is the defensive side of the four as well. Mm. And I think Ben Simmons has been an absolute maniac guarding point guards, twos, threes, and part of a wing tandem with Robert Covington that's destroyed opponent wings. And mm. he's, he's caused turnovers and blocked passing lanes and, and done stuff to so well on the defensive end as well that has helped their, their, them to get in transition on, in offense. Um, and help their offense just because of how good he's been on the defensive end. Uh, and I think I think I probably overlooked that given how well Donovan Mitchell was scoring and running their offense in Utah. Well, that's why I usually give rookie of the year to the rookie who scores the most points. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay, okay. And just just finally, do you guys think it's fair for a player like Simmons who's spent over a year within a team system with team dietitians, going through training, learning playbooks, having all sorts of monetary support and all sorts of team resources. Do you think it's fair to him to be considered for him to be considered a rookie in the way Donovan Mitchell is? As in, if Ben Simmons goes down, it goes down injured last year, so they just say, "Well, it's too bad. Like that's your rookie season done. You're going to come back as a sophomore, but you won't be eligible for the awards." Uh, what do you guys sit on that debate? I think, should I change my vote again? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's uh, people like people, people undersell it, but it's a big fucking deal. You're going to all the trainings, you're watching all the stuff, you're sitting you're on the bench, yeah. like you're learning, you're benefiting, you're better. You, the other guy's fucking yeah, been in college even, for the past year. Yeah. Even forget about learning a playbook in your own team and teammates and chemistry and coaching and how you be part of that team. 
just being having those resources that they have seven days a week is not having to study, not having to go to class. Like there was a massive difference between what Donovan Mitchell did a year ago and what Ben Simmons was doing a year ago. Yeah, and I kind of think that's fucking bullshit. Like it's it, it's terrible that Simmons got hurt in his rookie year, but I don't think you should get another shot at. I think you get injured, you get no, injured. It's just yeah, bad luck. Rookie year of the year, yeah. Yes, he shouldn't be yeah, it's eligible not, for this award. The- yes. Yeah. I, I think that advantage is... What do you say HB? What do you think? I think you can do all that. You can be in the system for a year, and that's, that's great. You have all that time to prepare and whatnot. Um, but I don't think anything really compares to when you're actually out there playing. And Ben Simmons didn't do that last season. Hold he didn't on, play didn't, a single game. Did he? Did he get injured in summer league or in the regular season? He broke his foot in summer league. Well, fuck me in the tits. I just, I, I think it and, is a I huge just can't advantage. See. I just, it's, it's, it could be. You can look at it as an advantage, but at the end of the day, if you look, <laughs> these guys are less than two months apart in age. Um, even with being in the system for that long um, that Ben Simmons was. And yeah, Donovan Mitchell hasn't been in the system. He's shown amazing maturity for his age. Um, <laughs> you, you didn't play. You're not on the floor. You don't know what playing an NBA game is like. You can yeah. have all the dietitians. You can have all the playbooks you want, but it's just there's no comparison for the real experience. Uh, what, what, have you guys seen Donovan Mitchell's custom hoodies the past few days? He's had another one today, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, have you guys seen this? Oh, I have missed, I've missed this. Okay. Oh, really? Well, so the past few days, Adam G, Donovan Mitchell has rocked up to an arena wearing customized Adidas hoodies. Um, I'm going to pull it up now so I get the wording exactly right, but this quite, created quite a stir and it kind of like... It suggests that there's a there's a little bit of friendly beefing going on. So the rook the the hoodie he wore today um, is just a plain red Adidas hoodie with the word rookie question mark emblazoned right on the front, and that came <laughs> just one day after he broke out a different t-shirt or hoodie rather, and it's another Adidas hoodie. It's black and white, and it's like dictionary style. Um, and he, <laughs> he got the Webster's dictionary definition of rookie. So rookie noun, an athlete playing his or her first season as a member of a professional sports team. And he rocked up to the <laughs> arena wearing that. So the beef is real. We know where he stands on this. Uh, I kind of agree with him on that. Like, sorry, man, you're not going to win the award. I don't think that the NBA's media... Um, family is going to move away from Ben Simmons um, based on that argument. But I think Mitchell's had a hell of a season. And if this is his first chip on the shoulder, great. Get out there and um, back it up next season. Don, Donovan, yeah, I do like that. He, he had a good response when asked about, like, what this race, like how it's come, shaped out. And I was starting along the lines of um, he looks at it as if, Ben's had like an entire year to prepare for an exam in college or whatnot, Um, as opposed to someone like himself who's 
going into it unprepared. That's how he uh, said it to the media. But then I think Ben Simmons really gave a great response when he was asked about it. Um, And in response to Mitchell's statement, he said, so his um, argument is that I'm not a rookie. Well, if that's his only argument, I'm in pretty good shape. Like, I think Donovan knows that if Ben actually this was his first season in the NBA system, he said he would eat like that. Yeah, absolutely. So if that's his only argument, there's no argument really. Well, uh, I think that's going to be the most controversial selection of all the awards. Uh, And I think what I like more than the newly founded uh, Donovan Mitchell Benson beast that hopefully continues in the next season is that the NBA 2018 draft lottery is on my fucking bird. And the Bulls have the tied for sixth best record, sorry, best chance, the number one pick. And I, I hope more than anything that the Bulls get the number one pick this year. It would, it would help justify your year of misery and apathy. Yeah. That was a shocking season. Like, that was ass. Uh, Boy, you really ate some it, shit this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you do deserve a relatively high pick. But you guys just didn't tank as well. What about, like, does everyone remember when fucking Miritich came back and you guys decided you were going to play basketball oh, yeah. for two weeks? You guys almost, like, came <laughs> yeah. to the playoffs in that week. Yeah. <laughs> like, when, when the Bulls had the, uh, the worst ever uh, shooter in the history of the NBA. Oh, that was a fun month. Who was that? Who was that? It's holiday. It was holidays. Justin Holiday. Jesus. God. Well, here's to a beautiful season. Here's to the start of the playoffs. Gosh, I think I might even split this podcast into two because we've just hit feature film length. It's been 90 minutes. And if you, the listener, have made it this far with this group of clowns, I take off my hat to you. If you email me, I will, um, I don't know, I'll say nice things to you and maybe I'll give you a gift. I don't know. But well done on making it through to both the listeners and to you two clowns. Uh, And we're going to be back. We're going to do some playoff pods very soon. Uh, Until then, enjoy round one, and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you very much, Adam G. Thank you very much, HB, for joining us. Thanks, Adam G. Enjoy the off-season, HB. Next (laughs) round.